All right, my name is Aaron Rhodes, and you're listening to the Shuttlecock Podcast. We're sponsored by the Vinyl Underground at 7th Heaven, offering new and used vinyl at 76 and Truth from Kansas City, Missouri. This week on the show, we have Joe Cornejo. How are you doing? Good. How you doing? I'm doing good. You got a fucking sponsor? Yeah, we got the, <laughs> That's dope. the folks at 7th Heaven. <laughs> That's legit. Shout out to them. Yeah, shout out to Sherman. Good, good people down there. But if anyone is not aware, uh, you are a DJ at Hot 103 Jams mm. currently. Yeah, I mean, I say radio personality, just radio out of respect for okay. real DJs. Yeah, so do you, you're not super versed in like mixing and like that kind of stuff, or um, not yet? But I'm trying to. Mm. Uh, the big homie Brian Bishani said he'd be down to teach me. So, so hopefully I'll be DJing here very soon. Nice, like real DJ. Get you out at some events and whatnot, and mm-hmm. actually throw you know, a party or something. That should be dope. I like playing good music, so. I always like, you know, just playing good music. People are like, shit, yeah, the, like you play the right song at the right moment. Yeah. That's a cool feeling. It is. So, yeah, it'd be dope. I'm trying to get a DJ. Actually be a DJ now. Awesome. So, yeah, I guess I I know you went to uh, Northwest Missouri State for college. Yeah. Is, yeah. is that, did you study, um, like, stuff that kind of came in handy for getting uh the job at Hot 103, or did yeah. you kind of more stumble into it? Well, I originally went to Northwest to be an accountant major. Mm. I did that for like my freshman year. I took one math class and then realized I really don't want to fuck with numbers no more. So uh, going into my sophomore year, like during that summer, I was just watching a lot of like Sway in the Morning, Breakfast Club type interviews and shit. So I was like, you know what? Like, let's be something cool to do because like I know like a lot of shit about hip hop. Like I had like a lot of wasteful not like wasteful facts and shit. So I was like, well, put this to use to do something. So. After that, I decided to change my major to broadcasting, and then I got a lot of hands-on experience. So it was good early on because it allowed me to like just find my flow and then who I was as a radio personality and be more comfortable on air. So that it helped more so with that and me finding myself as a radio personality. Mm-hmm. So it definitely helped out a lot. And I guess I was also curious what uh, part of the metro you're, you're from originally. Or, oh, if you are, if you're, or, or if you are from around here. Right? Yeah, I kind of grew up all over the place. Like, I grew up in Gladstone a little bit. Then I moved to Northeast for a while. I still got family in Northeast, so I'm always out in Northeast Kansas City. Or Northeast, uh, Kansas City. I went to Trailwoods Elementary for a little bit. Then I moved back up to Antioch, where I went to Eastgate Middle School. And then from there, I moved to Parkville and went to Park Hill South. And then that's currently where I'm residing. Word. Oh, yeah, and I guess before we get to, like, radio stuff, like, I guess I was curious about what some of your, like, earliest, like, music experiences were. Like, if there was, like, music your family or your friends as a kid were showing you and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. My, my dad and my mom are, like, really, like, really into the old gangster shit. So, like, I grew up listening to, like, Too Short, N.W.A., Ice Cube, Tupac, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Two Live Crew, uh, West Side Connection. All them old, all them artists from like that time period. That's where my mom, and my dad grew up in. They're very, they're relatively young for being parents. So I was around like that kind of music growing up a lot. Mm. No, I guess, I guess you, you will be looking for. Did you get a lot of E forty as a kid? Too? Oh yeah, I'm of course, sure, yeah. man. Naturally, naturally, my mom loves E forty. Yeah. I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help her, her get tickets to the E forty concert. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, so yeah, so it wasn't until you were already in school that you kind of realized that. Like broadcasting might be something you wanted to do. Did you ever, like, were, so you weren't watching or like listening to like a lot of radio before then? Or? Oh no, I grew up. I grew up listening to radio because uh, you know my dad always used to say, "Man, you could take everything you know you want from me, but just 
don't take my radio, don't take my music from me, you know, because life music makes life great, you know. It's like it's good background music. It's like gives a good like you know element to your life. So I've always been really into radio. We grew up a lot listening to Hot One Hundred Three Jams because my dad's a big hip hop head, so that was always the hip hop station we go to. So yeah, like I, I grew up listening to a lot of radio, a lot of music. Yeah, so. Um... What, was it while you were still in school that you ended up interning at Hot 103 a few years ago? Yeah, when I was, uh, I think it was after my junior year of college. Yeah, it was after my, my junior year of college where um, I applied for internship there. I called them up later that week, and I was like, yo, I'm Joe Conejo. I just sent you my resume. I was wanting to know if, uh, if possible that if you're looking for an intern, if I could come on down and meet you about the position. And they said, yeah, for sure. They gave me a date. I went to Kansas City, got the internship, and then... Rest is history. Oh yeah, and did, were you were you hired as a personality like directly coming out of the internship and like what was that kind of process like? Uh, the process for that was um, I pretty much so when I when I was an intern I worked with the morning show John Blaze because at the time the morning show was just one person so I was there to help with social media find like help him find new stories for him to talk about so I was always helping with I was always helping on the radio side of the station so. During that process, my, my boss, my program director, he told me, he said, hey, man, you know, when you go back to school, you know, send me some air checks so I can listen to him. So I played him some when I was an intern. He told me to send him more during the school year. So during the school year, I was sending him air checks. And then, like, he was never hitting me back. So I'm like, is he getting these air checks or what? And then uh, around winter break, he gave me a call. And he says, you going to be in town for winter break? I said, yeah. He said, okay, just uh, come on by the station so we can talk when, you can, when you're in town. So I said, okay. I go there, and he was like, yeah, man, you know, we kind of need a part-timer, so I was wanting to know when school's over if you would like to be a part-time on that radio personality for us. I said, hell yeah, I'd love to do that. So I got hired after my fourth year in college. Awesome. And so what kind of work do you end up doing while you are uh, at the studio at this point? At the point? Oh, man, I pretty much just... You know, party and bullshit. Just play a lot of music, talk on the radio, and then just try to find stuff to talk about. It's a pretty laid back job for real. Like it's it's a cool job to go to school for, mm. and then actually work out. And and you do end up at some of like Hot One Hundred Three's like sponsored events too, right? Yeah, yeah. So like if they need somebody to go out and represent the station, they might pick me. They might pick Brian. Depends on how how they feeling. But like for right now, like they got uh, we got the o, the E Forty concert coming up. I'm one of the hosts for that. As will be like probably Playmaker and. Brian and all them, they'll be there too. But I've been hosting our uh, KC's Next Music Showcase, this this uh, section of the... So we do three of them during the year. I've, done, I've hosted the first two, and I'm about to host the third one. So I'm hosting those like, individually for the station right now. Mm. Yeah, what, what, do you, what do the uh, the Next Music uh, Showcases end up looking like? like? What are the different stages of it? Different stages? Oh, uh, usually it's just like they're all kind of set up the same. Except this one's going to be at the Strange Music Complex. So that's, that's going to be dope. Mm. So this one's going to be pretty big. But usually it's all the same setup. We'll have about 10 artists. They'll perform three songs each. And then the judges will usually decide who the winner is. And then that winner will perform at our conference, which you'll be a panelist at. I will. Yeah. Hey, have you, I haven't been to the, the Strange Music Complex yet, but I hear it's like a pretty crazy setup they have out there. Have you been, have you been yet? No, nah, it's been my first time too. So I'm kind of curious to myself to see how it's all set up at Strange Music. Oh, yeah. Hopefully we're running into somebody like Travis or Tech. I'm assuming so. It's their building. So like someone's got to be there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you, you do end up doing uh, a good amount of radio interviews with like artists that come to the station and stuff. So... I've, I figured we might be able to break down a few of the, the interviews you've done and kind of just get your notes and, like, reaction to some of the ones you've done over the last couple of years. Okay. 
um, I was kind of scrolling through your Instagram and I saw like one of the first big ones I saw pop up was uh, Sci High. Sci High, yeah, that was dope. That was dope. That was random too because I was at school during the week and my my guy Theo hit me up. He said, "Yeah, man, uh, you want to interview Sci High the Prince on Sunday?" I said, "Fuck yeah, I want to interview Sci High the Prince because you know, like I feel like I'm one of the few people in the building that knows who Sci High the Prince is, or at least know what to ask him in an interview." So that was. That was a dope look. It was just like he wasn't even in town performing. He was just stopping through with, on a tour with Lil Wayne. So he stopped in. It was cool getting to pick Saha's brain. So I was actually watching a YouTube video today about the making of My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, and he was talking about it. And I was just kind of like geeking because I was like, "Damn, man! Like I actually interviewed that guy. Like we talked about My Beautiful My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. We talked about the Yeezus, the Cool Summer, and just like the process when it goes with making music with Kanye West." So it's cool because Saha is a writer for Kanye. So you picking his brains, like picking Kanye's brain. And Kanye, like, I wouldn't say he's right now he's my favorite artist right now due to the other shit, but he's like one of my favorite musicians, I would say. Yeah, so like, that was a big moment for me personally, like as a Kanye fan and as a Saha fan. Like, I had the cool summer on vinyl and I got him to sign. He signed it for me, which is pretty dope because my goal with that is to get every artist from good music that's on that album to sign it. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's quite, quite the goal. But I think being, yeah. being at the. At the station, put puts you ahead of yeah, most most other people who would want to do that. Yeah, like it, I'm but, off to a good start with yeah. it. So, no, yeah, and it, has he has he written? Like, I feel like he's he's done writing out outside of Kanye's stuff too, right? Like, yeah. what, what else has he ended up on? I'm, um, I'm all the Kanye's albums, and then he recently got, he got writing credits on Travis Scott's Astro album. Okay. So when Travis Scott got nominated for Sicko Mode, he got he got nominated also. Awesome. Oh, yeah, and um, another early one I know you did was Tyler the Creator, and I know you are a, personally like a big fan of him. Yeah, you that was draw dope. a lot of inspiration from his stuff. So, mm-hmm. yeah, what was that meeting kind of like? Man, that was really dope because that was that was during the time when I was really really into Tyler the Creators, like his music. Cause, like I've always known about him, but I was never really like into him, into him like that. But then he dropped Cherry Bomb that year, and I just really liked the message behind that album in terms of just like. Just I like the ambition behind it. Like, I'm really into people that have a lot of ambition because I like listening to shit like that because it drives me to be ambitious, you know. So the whole message behind it, like find your wings, and then when you, which means find something that you love, and when you find it, that's when you get your wings, and it's up to you to, to determine how how high you want to go and how how far you want to fly with it. So that that message meant a lot to me at that time. So when I met him, uh, it meant a lot because it's just like I'm meeting somebody that's like one of my biggest influences in my life right now. And like when I met him, I was I was shaking. I was really nervous because he just like I was in the back studio and I walk around the door and he just walks in the hall. I'm like, oh shit, like he's here. I was like, fuck, I gotta get ready because my job at the time was an intern was to just record the interview so we could have it for the website. So I was sitting pretty much the distance we're sitting right now. I'm just like, fuck, I'm sitting next to Tyler Creator. So I was kind of like wigging out. There's a cool little story with him. He walked in, he had his earbuds in, and when he unplugged his headphones. Okaga, California was playing from Cherry Bomb. Mm. I was, as a joke, this is old Donald Glover joke where I just go, Bro, you listen to your own music? And he goes, Fuck yeah, you gotta be your biggest fan. And I was like, Damn. Like, I always believed that. I always believed that you gotta believe in yourself before anyone else will. So I was like, Shit, like, I had that same, same exact thought. And so like, he was in the studio just like looking around all the plaques we have in the station. And I was like, Yo, man, I know this is kind of random, but I just wanna say thank you. And he looks at me, goes, for fucking what? Like, I just met you. I go, oh, man, like, you know, like, you helped me find my wings, you know? Like, I applied for an internship here, and then, you know, like, I got to 
you know, you inspire me to like just really go all out with what I love. And this is what I love doing, you know, talking music, meeting people, meeting people that influence me. So, you know, I had to go out my way to, you know, set up, be able to be in this position to record this interview and just so I could just say thank you for you. And he goes, man, like that, that's fucking tight, man. Like that's dope as fuck. Like he was like legit, genuinely happy that happy for me that out that he inspired me. I guess the way to put it. Oh, that's tight. Yeah. So, and I was an intern, so I didn't really get to interview him. But I wrote out the questions for Playmaker to ask him. So I was essentially interviewing him without interviewing him. Yeah. What, what kind of stuff got talked about? Um, like the importance of Kanye and Pharrell for him. Getting, you know, getting Lil Wayne and Kanye West on the track together for, um, what was it, Smuckers? Yeah. Uh, the creation of Cherry Bomb. And, but, like, the thing about Tyler is, like, when you interview him, you can ask him a question, but he may answer it. Like a completely different question, like answer for another question, like yeah. whatever he wants to talk about is the answer he'll give. Like a lot of times he was just fucking around in the interview, and then Jasper was there, so he was fucking with Jasper the whole time. So it was kind of like an all over the place interview, and he just kind of give like trollish answers. Mm. But it, it was fun to experience, just to be like shit, man. I'm just kicking it with Tyler the Creator, and then after the interview was over, he didn't know that, so we kicked it in the studio for like another 10, 15 minutes. So we're just we're just back there in the studio, just kicking it. Oh yeah, and yeah, I, I know. Like as a, a fan of his, I I know he like, like he he can kind of tell when someone who, who he's talking to like doesn't really know his music too well. So yeah, and he probably kind of got that vibe, and he's like, oh, I don't have to give the most serious answer. Yeah, right now. yeah, but like you know, I always look out for them. If I knew somebody's gonna like give an interview, I know they probably don't know much about. I'll write questions out for them just so they'll be prepared, at least have an idea what to talk about yeah. when they come on. No, and I know you did pop up in like the trailer for the Cherry Bomb documentary. Yeah, that the, that's fu- you know, the fucked up. Civ guys made. Yeah, that, actually, I didn't even know that was Mikey when I first met him because mm-hmm. he was the one that he was recording that. So I didn't know because like that spot I was in for the trailer, he asked me to do that again before. Or he, he said, "Record, say what you told Tyler to the camera." So I did that for him. And the fucked up part is like I was only in the trailer. Like yeah. they didn't actually put me in the documentary. So I actually thought I was gonna be in the documentary, mm-hmm. but I was in the trailer, so I'm somewhat in there. But yeah, it's still a great moment. Like. I was at school, and he, he he tweeted out the link for it, and somebody tweeted it, like, tagged me in the tweet. He's like, yo, you're in the Cherry Bomb documentary. I'm like, what? I'm in the Cherry Bomb documentary? Like, I was going crazy. Like, everyone on campus that knew me was like, dude, you're in the Cherry Bomb documentary? I was like, yeah, yeah. I was kind of the cool kid on campus for, like, that hot day. No, it was fun. No, yeah. And, yeah, that's, that's still a bit of uh, bragging rights, I would, I would say. Yeah, because, like, there. that was fresh off. Like, I still had another year of school left. Mm. So like I went back to school and like at, during this time I met all these I met Tyler Crater and all them they're like dude you're kind of famous now ain't you and I'm like not really like I'm still like a college kid like I'm not like anybody special I just meet important people. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I know uh, did did you end up interviewing Tech Nine at the station? Or yeah, were you just there for that. Yeah. I met him. I interviewed him. He was uh he came to because he was one of our big supporters for our Twenty Food Drive about not this one we just had but the one before that. Mm. So he came by the station. Him and Chris Calico came by to talk about that, and then mostly just got to shoot the shits with him, talk about going to the Grammys. He talked about performing with Nas in Australia, and that was cool because I'm from Kansas City. Like, I remember, I've, I've watched Tech 9 grind to this moment. Like I remember when he was driving in Northeast Kansas City with like his angelic vans and handing out demos to everybody in the neighborhood because he was like one of the road dog villains was really good uh, friends with my uncle who was a neighbor at the time, so he would always come through. And bring all these Tech Nine demos and shit for us to hand out in the neighborhood. So it's just cool to see where like he started and then see where he's at now. And especially being somebody from Kansas City, you get to interview Tech Nine. It's like shit. That's like a big moment for somebody that's from Kansas City. So that was really dope. Like that was almost like a surreal like Kansas City moment for me as a native. Oh yeah, I haven't I haven't got that yet. But I think that is kind of a little bit of a Kansas City music journalist 
bucket list yeah. thing you got to kind of check off to be official. But mm-hmm. and like, you got that out of the way. Yeah, and he's a great guy, man. Like, just so down to earth. I was like, bro, Tech, it's a pleasure to meet you. You know, he goes, nah, man, it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm like, bro, don't flatter me now. You Tech <laughs> Nine. Like, I'm not the big deal here. It's like, you are. Him and Chris Calico. Word. Oh, yeah. And, okay, the last one I have from the Hot 103 stuff is your, you did a Kevin Gates interview, which you <laughs> d- described in your Instagram as colorful. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, Kevin Gates, man, like, this was around the I Don't Get Tired Kevin Gates, so, like, he was, like, really popping on the radio. Yeah. And I was an intern, so I didn't really get, to, I didn't get the interview, and Brian B. Shiner did the interview, but I got to listen to the interview a little bit. It, it was really just all over the place. Like, at one point, he started talking about how a girl that he was really in love with, like, ended up giving him gonorrhea and then, <laughs> and then moved to Nebraska. And he goes, okay, so since she's in Nebraska, I got to grind hard enough so she'll hear my music in Nebraska. And, like, and then he kept, yeah, or he talked about how he, had, he thought he had a urinary tract infection, but it was really just because he drank too much coffee. <laughs> it was really a wild, like, uh, yeah, Kevin, like. Colorful is, like. Yeah, uh, simplifying it a little yeah. bit. Yeah, and he talked about how like when he invites girls back to his house, they gotta go to the island first before they come to him. I'm not really sure what that meant, but he yeah, like the interview is really all over the place. And with Kevin Gates, it's really an open book with him. Like he'll talk about anything. Yeah. I watched the interview where he was like, Yeah, I'm high on heroin right now. But he's from Louisiana, so that's kinda normal. But <laughs> it's a Louis it's a weird Louisiana thing. It's a weird Louisiana thing. But yeah, so when we did that picture, he had it set up to where like no one could touch him, which I understand, you know what I'm saying? Like even the girls couldn't like, you know, wrap their arm around him. So you had to keep a this little little dap and say what's up and you took the picture and that was it. But that was a very, very interesting interview. It's like Kevin Gates is a wild card. You never know how what mood he might be in, how he's gonna respond. Yeah. So you always gotta be kinda careful and tread lightly when you got somebody like that in the studio with you. Mm. Yeah, and uh, another thing I wanted to ask about was um, I, I think anyone, like, even slightly involved in Kansas City hip-hop, like, is aware of, like, the long-standing, like, kind of tug-of-war between, like, a lot of, like, younger, like, local hip-hop artists with, like, a smaller fan base and, like, how they'll always be, you know, upset that the station isn't playing their music or at least, like, only on like underground heat or whatever. Mm. So, I was I was wondering like what your role in like do do you end up programming a lot of the music for the the time you're on air and like what the the process behind that is? Oh no nah, no nah, I don't program the music. The music's already programmed when mm. I get there, so it's all on a computer and I just got to load them up to play. So I don't program it. My program director is the one that decides what we play mm. at what time. So he's the one that programs all the music. I just load it and play it. So it's not like it's not like people think it's still like the 70s where we just pick records off a shelf and like let's play this. Like yeah. no, nah, it's not really like that. Like it's somebody sets it up and we just load it and we play it. So I have no say in what's get played. So when people tell me to play their music on the radio, they just don't understand. It doesn't work like that anymore. Yeah. Uh, have have there been times where you've like kind of like tried to nudge the the program people like like you know give them songs that you think would do really well like realistically and like try to get stuff on there? Like, is there a song you think that's shown up in the rotation because of like something you've pulled? Yeah, I think I, I remember I sent my boss an email one time. With the two songs, it was Drowning by A Boogie and then Exo Tour Life by Lil Uzi. I think this was when Exo Tour Life just came out and it was the number one song on SoundCloud. I was like, yo, this song's gonna this song's gonna blow up. I sent him those two songs, like, yo, these songs are bubbling, like, you know, they just they just took off and they already got millions of plays already. So I just I just I'll just send them as a suggestion, like, yo, check these songs out, what you think? And then whatever happens to them at that point is up is up to him. Yeah. But then like I think a month and a half later is when we put him in rotation. 
And I was like, hey. So like, I, I kind of, I don't want to say I took, I don't want to take credit for it, yeah. but I did like offer him, like, yo, check yeah, these songs out. Ahead of the curve. Just a little bit. Like, I'm yeah. not that heads. But yeah, so I, usually he looks at all the numbers and statistics behind the song so he can figure out which ones are actually getting played a lot to where we need to play them. So, mm-hmm. um, But yeah, uh, uh, also, uh, I think anyone who listens to the podcast knows that, uh, I don't know, I don't have the best radio voice and <laughs> I, I think I'm t- I think you are the guest with the best radio voice out of anyone really? I've had so far perhaps man um, I'm just always is, stuck is it radio hopeless home. for me can I become a great radio voice one day oh man it's always <laughs> everyone's got hope it's really all being a radio personality it's so easy because it's just like all you gotta do is just sound confident in everything you say Shay Moore taught me that mm. it's like whenever you say something you gotta make sure that you know, whatever you're saying, regardless of what it is, I can say, it's pink skies outside. But you got to be excited to the point people are like, shit, is it really pink skies outside? Like, it's all about just sounding like, it's all about projecting your voice to where whatever you say, you just got to demand attention. Like, yo, listen to what I got to say. Even for the, it's 30 seconds, but listen to what I got to say. Yeah. So it's all about just demanding attention with your voice. And that's the cool thing about radio is that no one gives a fuck what I look like. People are probably now realizing I'm Mexican when they see this video. But it's all about not what you look like, but it's about how you sound, how you project your voice. It's all about your personality. So it's really a job just based off your personality, which is the best thing ever because it's like people like you for you. They like you. If they hate you, they hate you because of you. They like you, they like you because it's you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like the JFK and Nixon debate where it's like, oh, man, JFK looks like a fucking looks adorable and then Nixon looks like a piece of shit, you know? So it's not about your looks. It's about who you are as a person, which is the best part about it. Yeah. So you can always be a great personality. Okay, that's that's good to hear. Yeah. No, but um, I don't know, like, how, how quickly, or like, I guess I was curious, like, what's changed for you, like, in your, like, radio personality, like, kind of development, like, since you kind of got started and now, like, would, like, do you think you were better like getting started like than some other people would have been like did you latch on pretty quickly or has it been kind of like a slow build to where you're at right now um for a lot of people when i first started people said i sound really good on the radio but when i listen to my air checks i can point out my flaws compared to where where i am now because i'm more confident when i'm on the radio so like there was time i listened to my first air check I can hear I'm still pretty timid and like I'm just kind of like sticking to the script type shit. Mm. But like now I'm more free. Like so, like now I'm, I'm I've recently got more comfortable with just going off top of the head when I go on the radio. So when people hear me on the radio now, I'm literally just speaking on the fly, as opposed to where back then when I first started, I used to type out a script so I have like an idea what to talk about and what I'm going to talk about. Now the only time I still use a script is if I have a story I'm going to talk about. So I can have, like, a good exit point or transition to the next topic I'm going to talk about. So, yeah, so now I'm more confident in my abilities to be able to improv on the fly. And that sounds a lot better on the radio because it's more natural. Yeah. What what kind of, like, so you say you end up reading, like, new stuff sometimes. Like, what what do you end up, like, enjoying doing most while you do get to be on the air? Uh, Like, in terms of stories? Yeah, like, I, just, I, I guess just, just whatever other content you end up talking about. Um, I like doing, like whenever I work for Playmaker, we get to do what's popping with Playmaker section, which is like a segment where we'll talk about the stories going on in the industry. And I like to like just add little fun elements with like sound bites and stuff to like make it more comedic. Because mm-hmm. I, I try to be as like a, I look at those segments as being like a stand-up comedian. Where it's like, here's a story, here's a little punchline about the story, and then like, let's keep it moving. I like to make it entertaining. I don't want to just talk about what's going on. I like to make it entertaining. Like, make it funny if I can. Yeah, yeah and um, so 
about nine months ago, I think, you launched the Yada Yada podcast that you co-host with your friend Alex, who goes by Black Hyphy. Yeah. <laughs> um, Shout out to Alex. Yeah. Um, and he, he does the, he helps host the open mic at OAs, I think. Oh, I think it's Waze. Yeah, okay. Waze is how you yeah. pronounce it. Oh, got it. Yeah. But um yeah, how did how did you guys first meet and like end up deciding to do the podcast together? Uh man, we've known each other for we've known each other since middle school. Mm-hmm. We would like we know each other in sixth grade and then he moved to a different school and then we he ended up going to Northtown, I went to Park Hill South, and then we reconnected in college because we had mutual friends that I was a roommate with somebody from Northtown and then he hung out with all of them. So that we 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 reconnected at that point. We always knew each other, but like that's how we reconnect as like as friends. And so you know, we always just just kick it and listen to music a lot and talk music and whatnot. So we always had a good connection when it came to music and music taste. So we could always have good in-depth quality conversations about music. So I always, I always respected him for that because it's like somebody that can dive in with music at a deep level the way I do. So we always had that connection. And it was actually his idea to start the podcast. I remember we were talking about it the day of the the day more life dropped. The Drake album, he came over to my house. We kicked it, you know, just talked about the album and all that. And I was just talking like, man, like, I'm in on the radio, but I'm trying to, like, do something outside of it, like, try to start a podcast or something. He's like, that'd be something you'd be interested in? He goes, yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, I'd, I'd love to do that because we always had good conversations. So I thought it made the perfect sense for us to do it together. And then, like, I always said I was going to do it, but then I kept pushing it back. And then it was the day of the Flower Show with Gucci Mane and all them. Mm-hmm. That one, we went to that together. And he was like really pushing, like pushing the idea of doing the podcast. Like, yo, we need to do this now, man. Like, we gotta do it while, while you know, you still fresh in the scene, so we can, you know, help it take off more because people are starting to recognize and notice you and who you are. And I was like, yeah, man, we'll get around to it. We'll get around to it. And then, like a year later, we actually started, started actually putting out the content, started putting it all together because we found a sound guy to record it, and you know, we got good, we got good sound quality. And so that's how he was the one that really pushed the pushed the motive for me to actually like, all right, let's do this. So like my name's on it, but it's really like him pushing me and his idea to like get it underway for us to get the podcast going. So he's the one that helped me push the, for the podcast. What what would you say some of the music that you guys like bonded over like had in common when you like kind of first got started was um, so you, you mentioned like having these kind of in-depth conversations with him about like a bunch of the music you like. Yeah, like a lot of from what I remember from the start, it was like a lot of ASAP Rocky. First off, I introduced him to Travis Scott, um, Joey Badass, Kendrick Lamar, a lot of stuff that we listened to our freshman year of college because we was always around each other. So we bonded over like old school hip hop because he was starting to get into hip hop a lot more around that time. So Future, uh, we talked about Drake. Uh, man, what else? I'm trying to think. Just off the top of my head, those are the ones I could think of just from those, because those are the albums that came out during our freshman year of college. So those are the albums that we, we listen to a lot when we just be kicking it and just we just talk about the music and the albums and how we felt about the artists and whatnot. So those are like the ones I could think of off the top about the ones we bonded over. Mm. Um, so did, did you kind of know like right away that you would have like a good like kind of chemistry on mic with him or like is it something that you have kind of worked to develop over the course of the podcast? It's something I knew we'd have good chemistry because I it was just for me getting him in a comfort zone when it comes to, you know, interviewing artists. Mm. Cause because, um, you know, he doesn't I do I interview artists all the time. Yeah. So it's, he doesn't it's have kind of, much radio experience. Yeah, he doesn't really have that much experience in like terms of being like a media person a media person and like interviewing people. So I had to kind of like work him like work him up a little bit to like get him in the comfort zone. So I, whenever like we have an artist he doesn't feel like 
he just left out. So like now he's more comfortable. He's more at ease when we have artists. So it flows a lot better, especially like in the later, like the last couple of episodes we've had. He's more comfortable with you know being able to like inject his voice in the conversation whenever he sees fit. Because in the first couple of episodes we had artists, he didn't know where to to incorporate himself at, and he kind of struggled with that. But you know, over the over the the episodes, he's gotten more comfortable with you know just being a presence in the conversation without feeling like he can't. He's trying to figure out a way to where he can come in and where he can come out. But so yeah, it's he's he's getting he's way more comfortable now than he was when we first started. So we had to work that work him up to that confidence to get there. Mm. What 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 have been like some of like your tips for him and like anyone else who's like trying to start like working on like broadcast stuff more often? Uh, tips I give him is just don't ever look at it like an interview. It's like it's just a conversation. Mm. So it's just a conversation we're having that happens to have microphones in front of us. Yeah. So I told him that, and to like always have questions he wants to ask, and just always ask him in the term at the point where. It flows naturally in the conversation. So we're not talking about A and then you're asking a question about E over here. You know, it's always got to flow in the topic of the conversation. And if you want to get to E, we'll, we'll get through B, C, and D first, and then we'll make it to E. And then you can ask the E question. Yeah. So it's really just the biggest thing I, I, I told him is just always look at it like a conversation. Like we're just sitting around a table talking about somebody's music and just a bunch of other yada yada, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And that, uh, the, the name does come from uh, a Seinfeld reference. Yes. Yes. Uh, are you a big fan personally? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I love Seinfeld. Like, it originally the podcast was originally gonna be called the podcast about nothing, mm. which was a play on like the Seinfeld, Seinfeld, and then the Wale reference. Yeah, because he had the album about nothing. But then we found out somebody already has a podcast called that. So I was like, well, I didn't want to harp on the name too much, but I was like, let's just call it the Yada Yada podcast because you know it's also another Seinfeld reference. And then there's a song that we used. By Hit Boy and Wale, that was called Yada Yada. We used it in a couple of uh, early episodes before we got the new theme song from Sleepwalker. But yeah, so it's 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 still a reference to both like both Wale and Seinfeld, and it's also it ties into a hip hop reference because that's what the podcast is. It's a hip hop podcast, yeah. hip hop podcast, but it's a bunch of other yada yada too in between. Mm-hmm. Uh, would would you say like can you think of a favorite episode you have? Or? Episode. Let's see. I just watch which one I just watched. Oh man, I like the one. I'm on season five right now. Season five is hilarious. Um, what's my favorite episode of Seinfeld? I think the one where uh, Elaine gets rabies. She gets bitten by a dog. And then George, it's also the episode where George thought he saw Jerry's girlfriend making out with his cousin because he didn't have his glasses on. Mm-hmm. So he had to squint. And it's just like stuff like that. And then uh, when, when George pretended to be a marine biologist, that was a good one because like, they were just walking on the beach and he was like, what's everyone looking at? It's like, there's a, there's a whale out there that needs help. And somebody goes, it's actually Larry David's voice. Mm-hmm. They goes, is there anybody here a marine biologist? And just so happened, like, George told the girl he was dating that he's a marine biologist. So she looks at him like, George, you got to go save him. And so he goes out to the water to save this whale. And he's, he's explaining to him in the diner. And earlier in the episode, uh, Kramer was like, hey, you guys want to go down to the docks and the piers and hit some golf balls into the water? And they're like, nah, we're good. But Kramer goes to do it anyway. And he comes back later and says, man, that shit was terrible. I'm like, what happened? He's like, I only, I couldn't hit the balls, Jerry. Like, I only got one good ball out there, man. And it was out there. And then so when George goes to save the whale, he pulls out a golf ball that was stuck in the whale's, like, blowhole. <laughs> and it's just like, it's shit like that I love about Seinfeld because it would be, like, one little element mm. that would just come back full circle at the end of the episode. Yeah. No, and you mentioned Larry David. Do you have have you watched a lot of Curb? I've been trying to watch a lot of Curb. Yeah. I watched. I started watching a little bit. The episode, like the first, like like uh, I think it was like the third episode when the fucking lawyer from Breaking Bad was in it, and he played the porn star. 
Oh yeah, is Bob Bob Odenkirk in there? Yeah, yeah. Bob yeah. Odenkirk. Yeah, like he was in it, and he was like the, he was a porn star, and he yeah. was talking. About, they're at dinner, and he's talking about the time like he was having a threesome, and like one girl like took hot sauce and shoved up his ass, <laughs> and Larry's wife was like, "Larry, we need to go." <laughs> so yeah, I, I've been well, I've been trying to get into more curve, but I'm trying to finish Seinfeld first. And you mentioned the the like I know Wale is a big Seinfeld fan, and he references it a lot in his music. Have you have you come to find any other like big Seinfeld hip hop like? reference points or like kind of crossover or even like like local like people you're interviewing mm. being really into Seinfeld and that ended um, up being a thing I know other artists that are big into I know Logic's a big like Seinfeld fan mm. I think not he I think he um he did something for his wife where he like she woke up and it was like the Seinfeld theme song or was it the Kirby Enthusiasm theme song mm. playing outside her window but our artists oh man I'm trying like Jay Jay Z had a Seinfeld reference in that "What's Free" verse from Meek Mill, like "Sign I failed, not me." Like ha 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 ha, you know. So that was cool. That was a cool little reference. But in terms of artists that come on a podcast, I don't think anyone actually Sleepwalker, the Night Shift crew, knew it was a, it was a Seinfeld yeah. reference. And he was the one who ends up making the the new theme song for the podcast. Yeah, he right? produced he that. Samples a bunch of Seinfeld mm-hmm. clips. And but you got out of the best part. Yeah, he 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 produced that for us. So shout out to Sleepwalker. But I think outside of hmm? oh, is there is there one. Uh, on the podcast, too young to. Be I think super so. Into yeah. yeah, I think either either too too young or just like don't watch Seinfeld to get it. So I don't think any of them because no one's ever outside of them, no one's ever been like, oh, this is a Seinfeld reference, right? Yeah. And like, yeah. So, so um, if you're a Kansas City rapper and love Seinfeld, please hit up Joe. Right, uh, we could talk <laughs> Seinfeld all talk. day. <laughs> if you make raps about Seinfeld, we could talk all day. No, yeah, and uh, no, yeah, I have listened to a bunch of the the recent episodes. I think the first one I listened to was the. Lameric and uh, Wave. Wave, yeah, that that one actually did some fat numbers. Mm-hmm. Like that's currently on four hundred. That's like our highest played one yet. And um, I also have listened to the Ashan and the Kai Colors ones that you've mm-hmm. done pretty recent. Those are both pretty recent ones. Uh, oh, no, the Ashan ones actually kind of old. That was kind of old, middle of last year, I think. Yeah, like this was before we put out. Like, he just took his album off. So like yeah. when he yeah, when he came on, he just took his album down. Love blemishes. But we're about to have him back on again, I think on Sunday, to talk about his new album, One Big Happy Family. Oh, yeah. So I'm, pretty, I'm actually pretty excited for that one. Really excited. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he's just, he's, he talks about it in the, in the episode. He, you know, he's, a, he's a good talker. And oh, yeah. He's a great talker. It was great because, unfortunately, as sad as it is, like, I was hungover as fuck that day. <laughs> so like, that was actually the first episode where I told Alex Black Hyphy that, yo, like, I want you to lead the interview because yeah. I was out drinking that night. I was like, yo, you need to lead this interview tomorrow because like, he knows Aishon on a personal level. And like, that was my first time meeting him. So I was like, you can get a better conversation out of Aishon than I could. Mm-hmm. So you should lead the interview. And like, at the end, he was pretty happy that I did that because it put more pressure on him to like, you know, lead the conversation to help get more comfortable when we have these interviews. So ever since then, he's been more comfortable and growing as like a, I guess as a media journalist because I'm trying to help him build his, his like his profile up as a media person because it's mm-hmm. kind of like it's kind of like Joe Budden and then he's like my mall you know what I'm saying yeah. so because like whenever I leave town like whenever I, I finally decide to like take my broadcasting career like to another city I want him to take over the podcast oh yeah I think it is kind of like important to have those moments as like a journalist or a broadcaster or anything it's like you know you're you you kind of work to a certain point but like I think until you're forced into like a, a more difficult situation or like something that you know makes you a little nervous like there's there's only like so high you can go until you kind of push past that stuff and like i don't know face those fears and anxieties that you have and like that's where you really start 
building, I think, if that makes any sense. Yeah, like, once you get past, like, you got to get past, like, that nervous, anxious phase when it comes to, like, interviews. Yeah. Because a lot of times you don't want to have an interview with somebody and they can hear the nervousness in your voice because then it kind of feels awkward. Like, I've learned that a lot when it comes to interviewing artists, like, big-time artists when they come to town. It's like, you're you're on the professional side of that of the interview now. Like you're not just you're not a fan anymore. Like you're a professional interviewer. So when you gotta interview an artist that's like when you meet like a Tyler Crater or like a, a Big Sean or anybody like of that stature, you know, it's cool to fan out, but you can't lose your mind when you see him because you're in a professional setting and they're not trying to deal with a, a they're not trying to deal with that kind of environment right now. Yeah. So like when they come to you you gotta you know keep it professional. Mm-hmm. So like that's were, right. Were, were were there any like kind of awkward moments or like like some artists like kind of calling you out at some point like no 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 thankfully kept it pretty cool yeah thankfully not because if somebody would call me out for being too big of a fan i'd be feeling kind of bad like shit i gotta kind of like reevaluate myself here but thankfully no i've been able to keep it cool because at the end of the day you know they're they're all humans just like us they're just happen to be like really rich and famous (laughs) but like we're all still human you know so uh i remember one kid asked me I had to do. I had to speak at a Lakeview Middle School for like a career day, and one kid asked me like, "What's something I always ask artists?" And I said, "The first thing I always ask them is, you know, how you doing today? Because you know they're human just like us. They have emotions. They go through ups and downs in life. And sometimes, you know, people forget that because I feel like we look at celebrities through like a TV. You know, it's like, oh man, you're so famous. Like you're always happy. You should always love life. But they go through those emotions that we all go through. So you know, sometimes you know, asking them how they're doing today might be like the most important thing someone's asking that day. So yeah. I always try to keep that in mind that." You know, they may be rich and famous, but they're humans just like us. So it's always nice to treat them as such. Oh, yeah. And I think, like, the intensity of, like, kind of celebrity culture in America, like, kind of makes it to where, yeah, like, you just because, like, you see someone, like, on social media and, like, TV and stuff, mm, like, it's like, you kind of, like, on a personal level, like, kind of not, not I don't think dehumanize is the right word or, like, I guess I but well, like yeah, see like viewing them as like this kind of force instead of like yeah, an yeah, actual like, person that you should probably like tr- like maybe not even make small talk with, but like yeah, just like do like treat them like talk, a normal yeah. person. So yeah. it's like I wouldn't say dehumanize, yeah. but more like I, this is not this ain't a really good analogy either. But it's like an animal in a zoo. Like a lot of a lot of famous people always look will use that as an analogy. Like I'm like feel like I'm a zoo animal, you know, the way people just look at me. Like you know, there's like a gorilla, and everyone on the outside of the glass is looking at me. Like oh my god, it's a gorilla, but you don't they don't realize that this gorilla's been locked in this cage for like years. It hasn't been in its natural habitat for years, so it's probably going through really like bad emotions as an animal. Yeah. But we don't look at it like that when we're on the other side of the glass. So I kind that's kind of how celebrities I feel like in America are at times, especially with like the TMZ shit. Yeah. Like I don't really don't like I don't really respect anything TMZ does because there's such an evasion of privacy, and it's like it's cool to be fans, but like they're doing to the extent where they're not even fans. They're just trying to see like, hey, how you doing today? Like I know it's three in the morning and you just left the club, but what's up? How you doing? You know, yeah. it's just like it's like just leave them alone. Like when they get off the planes from LAX, the first thing they see is like a, a cameraman from TMZ bum rushing them. It's like yeah. that's not normal. Like that's not good. Yeah, and. Yeah, the way the way you do is kind of separate yourself as like a serious like professional like journalist or broadcaster like you know is like you know being the person to like say what's up and like yeah kind of make your way into the conversation rather than just like yeah throwing like five things at once at them and asking for a selfie and like yeah all sorts of stuff like ASAP that. Rocky talked about that he said you know I'm not really into pictures right now and and people get upset because. 
they want a picture, but I'm I'm like, we could just have a conversation for like 10 minutes and that'd be more meaningful than you having a picture with me and then going about your business. Like a lot of people just want pictures with famous people just because, oh, they're famous. Yeah. Like they might not even know ASAP Rocky is, but they know he's famous and they mm-hmm. want a picture with him. Oh, yeah. and, and if you like kind of keep it real enough, like as, you know, like in your occupation or even just like as a fan, like I, if, if you're like, a, a, like, I don't know, if you're, I think I think like people are gonna believe you if you say like some like oh I just want to prove I I met you like yeah I think if you have an actual conversation with someone like yeah it is like far more valuable and interesting than just like some like flash selfie on your cell phone and it's so. like all right see you later you know it's like I got this picture it's all I really wanted from me like yeah. that's why to me like getting interviews with ours is cool but. Like if even, even if I didn't have documentation, like I don't have documentation of the Tyler Crater like talk I had with him outside yeah. of that little documentary piece. But like I have, like we have the picture together, but then we also have like that the whole me thanking him for finding my wings conversation. That's not on that's not on tape or nothing. But I always have that as a person. Yeah. So like that's more valuable to me than that picture we took. But I'm glad I got the picture still. But it made it better because before that I had the conversation with him. Yeah. So it's always better to have like a a meaningful conversation with somebody that either influences you. Or someone that you really admire as an artist, because it's, it means more. When you, like when you listen to the music, whenever I interview an artist and I listen to the music after, it always means a little bit more because I know them as a person mm-hmm. outside of just being like an artist I listen to. Yeah, um, I guess I was also curious, like, um, if you have like one or two like favorite podcast episodes you've done so far, or like kind of like moments or like things you've learned from the people you've interviewed that just kind of come to mind. Hmm. Um, one of my favorite moments is from the Juby Truth interview where we were talking to him about how, because he opened up for J-Rock mm-hmm. at the Granada when he came because J-Rock was doing that whole like, you know, tag me in this and then whoever gets the most tags will be my opener for the show. Yeah. So the guy that originally won wasn't in town, so he, he gave it to Juby instead. And so Juby opened up for J-Rock and after the show, um, the guy, after he was done with the set, his manager came up to him and said, yo, whatever you do, like, don't leave after the show. Like, make sure you stay after the show. We want to holler at you. And so after the J-Rock show was over, they came and found Juby. And Juby was like, yeah, I talked to J-Rock for a little bit. And I was like, what'd he say, man? He goes, he just quoted himself. Like, he just said, bro, like, just win, bro. Like I said in the song, just win, 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 win. Like, he was just like, he's like, on Bloods, bro, you up next. Like, he was just, you know, hyping them up and shit. Like, that was funny to me because I was like, J-Rock quoted himself? Like, quoted his own hit record? Like, and that is the important thing you have to wait around to hear. Yes. <laughs> right, just Someone win, bro. Like I said, just win. Like, that's the cool moment because, like, J-Rock... From a, from what I've heard about J-Rock, he's not a man of many words. Like, Vince Staples talked about it because J-Rock was on Vince Staples' FM album mm-hmm. on Don't Get Chipped. And he was talking about that. He's like, bro, I've known J-Rock for like 10 years, and we've only said five words to each other. Like, And it's always the same. I was like, yo, bro, I need to get you on this record. And he goes, I got you, champ. Like, he's like, that's what he says. I got you, champ. I'm on it, champ. Like, And it's funny because Juby uh, put, tagged him on a story or something, mm-hmm. and J-Rock, I think, somebody, I think he said something like, about um yeah, people say we look alike and he tagged J Rock in it and then J Rock wrote him back a message and he put on a story and he goes, Must be champ <laughs> or something like that. He, he ended it with champ, but yeah. I thought that was funny as hell. I'm like, that's all he is, says. Is J Rock just like I I'm I i do not know the most about J Rock. Is he like a huge like sports person? Because 
Like Man. he's using Champ. He has like the win, win, win. Yeah. Song. And like I don't know. I, I get like a very like kind of jock like sports fan vibe it from does, like some of his stuff. It does know. seem like that, yeah. but like I don't really know much about Jacob's person either because he doesn't. Like, everyone at TDE he seems like he's the most quiet outside of Absol, but mm. only because Absol ain't doing nothing. But but J Rock like he's been making when he did the press runs. Yeah. He doesn't really talk about his sports teams, but he's got the song like Win, yeah. and he, he's kind of built very pretty big. So I assume he's like a big fitness guy. So I feel like he might be a, a big sports guy. He is from he is from LA. So you'll have to interview him for us. I know. I tried next to time set, I tried to set that up, but that was cool. Uh, another interview I really liked was uh, the Kai Colors one because yeah. that was dope because. When we were talking, he was talking about how he got offered from a, a record label, and I was like, "This was before we actually were on the record." And he was, I was like, "Who'd you get it from?" He goes, "Def Jam." We're like, "What?" He's yeah. like, "You got an offer from Def Jam?" He goes, "Yeah." I was like, "You want to talk about that on the podcast?" He goes, "Yeah, I'll talk about it." Because he never told nobody about that on record, at least. Mm-hmm. He told people close to him, but then like he never let it be known in public that he got an offer from Def Jam. So that was pretty dope. Like that was a big moment because you know there's a lot of dope artists in the city that are doing big shit. I feel like no one really knows about. Like, this dude got offered a deal from Def Jam, but no one really knows about it. And I feel like no one's talking about it. People that are in the big music, into the music scene in Kansas City, they'll know Kyle Colors. Yeah. But people that are just from Kansas City don't know Kyle Colors. So, like, that's what I like about the podcast is that we're giving these artists a platform to, like, tell their story and then also explain who they are as musicians. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's why I appreciate the most. And then, like, the first artist we ever had on the podcast was a guy named Jay Peasy. And I met him through Sully 4Q, who works with Tech9 a lot. And the first time I met Jay Peasy was through Silly 4Q because he was going to perform in our KC's Next Music Showcase. And I met Sully for the first time that day, too. And then Jay Peasy was there. And Jay Peasy was like, yo, what's up, man? My name's Jay Peasy. I was like, what's up, man? He goes, yeah, I got this song with E-40, NBA Youngboy, and Yo Gotti coming out. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's like, you doing what? And, like, no one's talking about this? And so it was called Straight Out the Dirt, which he's on the hook, and he produced the beat. So, like, that was a huge look. It got a big debut on Beats Radio. And then... From there on on there on out, you know, E40 was like, yo, man, just stick with me and I'll make sure you're good. And so he was talking about how he made E40, how, you know, he got up to that point of straight out the dirt. He ended up producing, I believe, two of the singles from the Meet the Dealers album, the one with Be Legit and E40. So that was pretty cool. And it's just cool just learning about these journeys of how these artists like are doing amazing things, like huge things. Like this dude's producing for E40 mm. and he's from Kansas City and no one seems to know about it. Yeah. So I was like, I need to I need to get you on so we can get your story heard and people let people know about you. So that was also a great interview. Yeah. And then I was trying to think. And then I didn't I didn't I didn't realize this until the podcast was over. But Kyle Cullors mentioned that Troy Ave was trying to sign him. Mm. And I didn't really dive into more into that. And I was really upset when it was over. I was like, damn, I should have talked about that more. Yeah. No, yeah, and I think even, you know, from the story about, like, J-Rock being kind of funny to, like, Kai Colors, like, kind of process so far, like, I think, um, yeah, just the, these, a lot of these conversations of artists that are not, like, even locally household names yet, like, are really important to be having at this point, because, you know, you're, you're kind of laying the groundwork and, like, beginning to paint this picture of this artist that, you know, everyone in America might know someday. Yeah. yeah, and it's, like, the best part about it for me is it's, like, it's not even, for me, it's not really about how many people listen to the podcast. Like, I'm not really big on, like, like concerned about how many people are listening. It's just more about, for me, is if the artists are satisfied when they're over. Like, Aishan, Aishan loves that interview we did. Like, he says that's his best interview. Like, he's the one he's most proud of so far. And it's just cool, because, like, and then Juby liked his interview a lot. The one we did with Royal Chief was really dope, because he, he's, like, a natural conversation. He talked about moving to Atlanta and, like, meeting J. Cole, T.I., Andre 3000, like, working with Big Crit. He's good friends with Saha, so, like, we had that little connection there. 
It's just stuff like that. It's just like when it's all over and the podcast comes out, they're all really proud of you know their episode and their interview. So it's just cool for them to come on and be proud of the final product. And that's really all that matters to me. As long as they enjoy their time there and they're happy with the outcome, that's really what's all important to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, so you haven't you haven't done like much like kind of video interview work yet, but you, you did just post um, an interview you did with Boz on yeah. YouTube from uh, Dreamville. Shout out to Dreamville. Yeah, because yeah, he played the Granada uh, in the last few weeks. That was um, I think it was about two weeks ago. Yeah. No, yeah. How 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 did that interview go for you? And like, did did you enjoy getting to do like the the video for it? And oh yeah, that was dope. That was dope as fuck. Because like, the cool part about it is is that my friend Lamerick, who's on the podcast, he's yeah. he's a really good friend of mine, and he's a huge like Dreamville Boz guy. So like, the biggest like, it's always cool for me just for him to have those moments because he's an artist himself, mm-hmm. and so I know how much meeting people like I took him. We went to the J Cole concert, and then I ended up helping him meet J Cole after, after the show. So we met J Cole that night, and it was cool for me. Like it's cool because like you know I love J Cole, but I know for him as an artist, it means more to him because he he loves J Cole. I, I remember when I was in college, I actually as a gift to him, I just one day I was up all night on Adderall studying all night, and I was like, well, I'm gonna do something nice for Deshaun. I went on Amazon and I bought him the Forest Hills Drive album on vinyl, and I had it mailed to his house, but I didn't tell him about it. Mm. So like one day. He opened up and he just saw it was like it was from me, and I was like, yeah, no little gift for you, you know, because I just know how much he loves J Cole and he loved that album, so I did that for him. So for it to come full circle and him to meet J Cole was like that meant a lot for me as as a friend because I know how much that means to him. So like we went to Dream, we went to Boz, we almost didn't go because it was storming that night, and then the guy that we were supposed to talk to, our direct contact of the showcase was his manager, and his manager wasn't picking up. So when I left the station at seven. I was like, yo, man, like, his manager's not hitting me up. It's snowing out, and I don't want us to go to Lawrence, and then we can't get in because we can't get a hold of the guy we're supposed to talk to. Mm. So we, all, we, didn't, we decided not to go, and then at 7.30, his manager finally got in contact with me. He said, hey, man, um, sorry, got, sorry I haven't been getting to you, but, you know, uh, yeah, you, you get, we'll put you on the list. You can come on through, and we'll put you in touch with DJ Night Train, who's like Boz's DJ. So I said, all right, cool. Well, I guess we're going we're gonna to go because it, it was a snowstorm that night. Yeah. So we had to drive from here to Lawrence in a snowstorm. But I was determined to go anyway because I was like, bro, I got to get this Boz interview. So we drove through the snowstorm. We met his DJ. And his DJ was like, yeah, man, once the show's over, like, I'll come find you. And the Granada's not very big, so it was easy to find me. So the sh- Boz put on a great show. Great show. I loved it. It was a, lot, it was a great time. And then after the show, we did a, they did the meet and greets. Boz chilled with everybody for a little bit. He talked to everybody, and then after the show, his DJ set up the interview. So we go upstairs in the Granada, and the person recording is my friend Lamerick. So he's recording the interview, and before that, we were just we were shooting the shits for like five minutes. And then I realized that they were waiting on us to start recording, but it wasn't like they were like, "Yo, record." They just they were just waiting. Yeah. So like it wasn't like he was pressuring me to start the interview. And then um, before we started the interview, I was like, "Yo, man, you got any like you want a time restriction? You got somewhere you got to be?" He goes, "Nah, bro, I'm good. Talk as long as we want to." So I was like, shit, hell yeah. So the Boz interview was dope because he was very laid back. He was very easygoing. He wasn't like, you know, big, you know, I'm big famous Boz. Like he's a very down-to-earth person, happy person too. So that interview was really dope because that was really just two people having a conversation that just had to be recorded. Mm. Yeah, so I know like uh, Dreamville and like I- I'm guessing like TD also are like kind of big like influences on, uh, I mean, like th- those are like labels you're a big fan of. Oh, yeah. Like. Do you have any kind of, like, bucket list interviews that you really want to do with 
Just like any like touring act at some point. Oh yeah, man, I would love to interview Vince Staples. Mm. Like he's a fun guy. That, like he's one of those artists that his music, it's like his personality is bigger than his music. So it's like even if you don't like Vince Staples as a, as an artist, you'll like him as a person, or you at least you'll enjoy his interviews because they're entertaining. Yeah. And I feel like with a lot of artists today, that's the thing that kind of holds them back, holds a lot of artists back, is that a lot of them make great music, but they don't have great personalities. So, for example, like the Migos. The Migos did three interviews with The Breakfast Club, and only one aired, and that was the most recent one. Mm-hmm. Because the other two, The Breakfast Club said there was no point in airing them because they didn't talk. Like, they didn't really want to be there, and yeah. it was a bad interview, so, like, why are we going to air that? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what it comes down to. Like, a lot of artists, I feel like, don't like doing interviews because they don't really have a lot of personality to show. No, it's funny. Uh, I think I read, I think in Rolling Stones, like, Cardi B offset cover story they did before like they they broke up for that yeah I remember period. when she was like, pregnant yeah like uh I think she was like was talking about like in the interview for it like oh yeah I've been pushing offset to be you know to show his personality more and you know yeah. be, I mean, be we, more all, lively in the interview yeah, so we, I'm like and I, and I have noticed since then like they have like like you know been a little more quotable and like have like a little more enjoyable interviews so yeah i guess everyone can take uh cardi b's advice there and you know i yeah i think it makes uh like you know you do a good interview and you know people talk about it yeah and people are more likely to check out your stuff yeah it's like it always irritates me artists don't want to do interviews because i understand like people don't enjoy it because like you listen to artist interviews and they'll be like man like I go to every city on tour and like they ask the same questions every, yep. everywhere I go. So when I have an artist come through, I try to figure out unique questions to ask them that they haven't heard before possibly. And if they have, I didn't know that. But, it, but I always try to come up with something different, you know, make them feel like, okay, this is different. Mm-hmm. Make, them, make them enjoy the process more, I guess I should say. Yep. So like, for example, like, but like for Travis Scott, like Travis Scott doesn't do interviews. But then again, have you seen a Travis Scott interview? Uh, he did. He did a Rolling Stone cover. Well, that, like, I mean, recently. have you seen a video interview though? Have uh, you seen him like? Yeah, movies? I don't. I haven't seen like a radio. It's yeah. been a while, but like when he he used to do them a lot during like his earlier days, like the Al Farrell days before rodeo days. Mm. They're pretty hard to watch for real. It's like he doesn't have a very good like personality as a person. But like the thing about me is like I'm a huge listen. I like listening music. I like listening to hip hop. So whenever I like an album a lot, I like to listen to their interviews from this time period. So I can get to know them right where they are at right now creatively and as an artist. And it gives you more in depth to the creation behind the album. And that makes me enjoy it more. So, like, for example, Denzel Curry's Taboo came out last year. I love that album. So I watched all his interviews he did, and it made me enjoy the album more. Or, like, J.I.D. or Boss. You know, these people like this. Currency. Like, that's another guy I would love to interview is Currency. Oh, I am remembering now the... Travis Scott Nardwar interview that yeah. well, it was kind of early and he has the that was like the rodeo the, the belt the belt yeah. yeah well Nardwar can get good interviews with everybody yeah he's he'll he'll come at you so you, you don't have much of a choice to mm. do a fun interview with him but I feel like I feel like a lot of artists could be a lot bigger than they were if they just decided to be more open to interviews like Future like his last last album he's he's doing a lot of press run it's cool because you don't get to see the side of Future you know this is him. You know, usually he just puts out music and then he just you just see him in pictures and stuff. But mm. you don't actually get to learn about future or get to see what he's going through or what where he's at mentally and creatively at that time. So it's always cool. I think it, I just really enjoy interviews. I like to see a different side of the artist mm. outside their music. Oh yeah, and I think it I think it has been kind of more pervasive like in the social media age of artists like trying to avoid interviews yeah. more often because like, oh, I can just post this video of me talking and I can or, go or, live or on not, Instagram. Yeah, or not even do anything like that. Like, you know, I mean, Jay Z and Beyonce are like kinda in their own league, but like I think in the pat like 
maybe a decade or two ago, they would have still, like, even at yeah, their height, like, had to do, like, like, interviews and stuff. Like, you look at back, like, 10 years ago, was, let's see, it's 2019? Yeah, 2019. You t- look, 10 years ago, like, Jay-Z was still doing press runs, because, mm-hmm. like, back then, like, you had to go do press. It wasn't like, we didn't have streaming, so, like, if you wanted to buy an album or promote an album, you had to go out and, like, do all the radio shows, like... Like Kanye was doing promotions for the Yeezus album because it was still you know physical copies, so you yeah. had to go out and buy it. You had to go out and promote it. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't just put out a, you couldn't just make a couple tweets and say, "Yeah, I'm dropping an album this day. Here's a video for it, and then it's coming out a week from now." You mm-hmm. know, you you can do that now, and that's why artists don't really need to go to radio stations no more yeah. to talk about their album. They can just talk about it through a bunch of tweets mm-hmm. and a couple Instagram posts. But but I say that to say is uh, like I think it is still important for artists to like kind of allow themselves to do interviews with like, you know, other than just their, themselves posting stuff on social media or whatever, because like it, I think when you are like creating music or any type of like art or media or whatever, you kind of do get like, you're, you're talking to the same people all the time, the people you're working with, you're just very focused like on your craft and there's no problem with that. But like, you're not going to be like, it's harder to be found like interesting, I guess, to like a larger group without like someone with an outside perspective like yeah. talking to you about it because like if if you post a video of yourself talking about whatever new album for like five minutes like you're just going to focus on the same things but like you know spring in like a dj or a personality or a journalist or something and they'll probably point out like 10 different things that the artist wouldn't have talked about otherwise yeah it's like so. okay like for example like skeletons on travis scott's album like okay you got like kevin parker the weekend pharrell and then and then you like how did this all come about like how did you make all these people come together when like for example you got thundercat and john mayer on astral thunder how the fuck did you do that you know like how did that creative process work you know that's the stuff i would ask like i just really want to dive into it and like i'm not i'm not one of those radio personalities who wants to get into their personal lives yeah. like that's not really none of my business honestly but I just want to talk to you about your music. Like, how did you make this album? Like, how did you put this together? Like, what was your headspace like? That's what I want to know. And if you're funny, like Vince Staples, then it's even better. Mm-hmm. Like, Mac Miller always had great interviews because he's a funny guy. He's a very personal person. And I feel like a lot of artists don't have that aspect where they're personable. Like, you're just big and rich and famous. Yeah. Like, but who are you as a person? Oh, yeah, and you kind of, like, I, I don't want to say allow, like, tabloid and paparazzi to, like, kind of do what they do to you, like, if you don't do, like, more journalistic interviews, but, like, there are people out there, like, if you, like, kind of figure out who, who you know, you the real interview. ones are, yeah. like, that you kind of can figure out people who will want to talk to you about your music, so instead of just being like, oh, I hate doing interviews, they always ask about my girlfriend, and, yeah. like, this weird record deal, and whatever, but, like, I think if if you pay attention and you find the right people, you will kind of find those more substantial like outlets and personalities and stuff. So and I to, like, yeah, and I think that's why a lot of artists respect Sway because like every artist, even if you're like really extremely big, like every artist, every artist respects Sway. Yeah. Like that's kind of where I'm trying to build myself up to as a personality. Is get to Sway's level to where people want to come talk to me. You know, people want to go talk to Sway. If you go to Sway in the morning, like okay, you really doing something. Like that's a big look. Or a lot of artists respect Zane Lowe, but I think that's because Zane Lowe plays it safe. He also works yeah. for Apple Music. So. And he like. Like his his interview style is like I will compliment the artist in like ten Every, different ways. Yeah, and that is my question. It's like him and Tim Westwood will both do that. Yeah. It must be like an overseas thing, because like when they go to Tim Westwood or or Zane Lowe, this is a very it's a safe interview. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because 
Noriega, the Drink Chance podcast, he like he doesn't hate Zane Lowe, but he's just he just doesn't understand why artists want to go to Zane Lowe. Yeah. But it's because you know they know Zane Lowe will ask them safe questions. They're not gonna ask them anything that might you know really challenge them. Whereas you go if you go to Drink Champs, you know it's you and Noriega and and and, and, and Effin. Y'all drinking and y'all smoking and you know now you guys are gonna get loose and you're gonna be start talking a little loose of the mouth. And in today's day and age, artists don't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah. I feel like that's why they can go to Zane Lowe. Or they can go to a, a um, like a sway in the morning because they know they're not gonna say they're not gonna be challenged to say anything controversial. Yeah, they're just gonna stick to what they're doing and that's the music. And that's why I respect that. I can't as a personality, I respect that. No, yeah, like not everyone wants to be Charlemagne the God. Yeah, but I think the point is, yeah, like if you if you pay close enough attention or like have someone close to you that pays attention, like you, you can find like the right person to interview you and where you'll actually enjoy it. So yeah, and I feel like that's why like probably like Kanye gave. Charlemagne that interview because he knew he'd probably get his message across a lot better with, with Charlemagne but Charlemagne would also challenge him a couple times but he won't overly challenge him as opposed to if he went to the breakfast club yeah uh but yeah I guess I was also just curious about like you, you mentioned you might want to you know end up in another city or working on like a bigger project with your your stuff someday so like what do you, do you have like a lot of like specific goals at this point of what you want to do with like the podcast or your radio work? Yeah, like, man, we're trying to work on a showcase right now for the podcast where we want to have, we want to call it the Yada Yada Showcase. So it'd be a showcase with all the artists we've had on the podcast up to this point. Mm. So, like, we're trying to, like, that's something that we're trying to bring to fruition. Like, I'm just kind of putting the energy out there to, you know, hopefully it all come together. But that's something we're working on. So it'd be like, it'd be like Aishan, Juby Truth, uh, Kai Colors, The Royal Chief, and then The Night Shift. Those would be the ones that we'd have on it. So that's something we're trying to do for the podcast. Also want to make the podcast visual. And then once we make it visual, we'll be able to interview other people outside of just rap artists. We can bring it, we can interview photographers, designers, because they'll actually be able to we'll actually be able to look at their visuals that they do mm-hmm. as a public. It's kind of hard to do that through an audio podcast. Yeah. So that's the next step for the podcast. But for me as a personality, my goal is to just move to like a big city like New York City or Chicago, somewhere that's really heavily big in the hip hop, hip hop's genre. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, ideally, though, New York, because New York, I always, I love New York. I love the energy in New York. I just, I like the, 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 the hip-hop, hip-hop in New York. You know, it's like the mecca of hip-hop in New York City. Yeah. And so if you can make it in New York City as a rail personality, hip-hop one at that, then it's like you're really doing something. So that's my biggest, my end goal is to be a rail personality, a hip-hop rail personality in New York City. Oh, yeah, and to be in, like, the pantheon of, like, New York radio hip hop personalities is like kind of like a big thing. Like, yeah, like oh, you're you're among like Charlemagne and Angie Martinez and all like these all these, all these the Funk Master Flexes, all these yeah. greats. You know, all these well known person. A lot of them outside of Big Boy, all of them reside on the East Coast. Mm. So if you if I once if I can get my name in that echelon, then I'll be like, okay, now I've actually made it in the hip hop world. Mm. Oh, yeah, and I guess we have uh, just a quick like kind of plug we can do here. We'll. You'll you'll be hosting some of the panels at the Hot 103 Music Conference. Yeah, uh, I'll be March. hosting. I don't think actually I don't even know if I'll be there. But no. usually, I think I, I, I might be. You, I might, sh- you might be there. I should be there. I don't know. Like I don't want to put that pressure on my boss. Like oh I should be there. But like it's not like me saying it that. But I think I should be there because I'm I'm hosting the other three. I know. I think Brooklyn Martinez hosted the ones before that when I was an intern mm-hmm. or when I, when I first got hired, and then she was also broadcasting live there too so i think because it's also the same day as the e40 show yeah yes that's, uh march 9th at uh voodoo, voodoo. Yeah. yeah saturday mm-hmm. yeah cool um, yeah, you'll be a panelist won't you no oh, yeah i'll be paneling on the kind of journalism publicity whatever panel that ends up being 
Um, and yeah, there's the it's 103mc.com, I think, is the conference website. Is Maybe that the wrong. website? Okay, because like I looked, I saw the, the page on the website and I didn't see like the list of the yeah. panelists. But no, I guess you can find it through kprs.com otherwise. But that should be a fun day. Yeah, actually, that's gonna be a wild day. Yeah, and uh, where can people like find you on social media and listen to the podcast and everything? Uh, you can find the podcast on SoundCloud. We I want to put it on streaming services, but since the the, the intro sample Seinfeld, I don't want them to take it down. Mm. So we'll keep that between us because they took down. We actually like when we did the first episode, I had an idea I wanted to do where we had DJs put together mixes to play at the end of the show if we didn't have an artist song. Mm. And we did the we did it the first one with DJ Six Five, and he put a Drake song in it. And fucking Universal took it down, mm-hmm. and then that. So that was strike one, and then we got another strike for playing for something else. I can't remember why. So I'm, I'm, I'm we're pushing it on our strikes now. So I don't want to have any more like copyright violations because the next one shuts us down. Yeah. So we're kind of dancing on the edge. But you can find it on SoundCloud at the Yada Yada Podcast. It's two two D's Y A D D A. The Yada Yada Podcast, and then I'm on Twitter at Joey Lafleur ten sixteen. Shout out to Gucci. And then I'm on Instagram at JMF Cornejo, and that's C-O-R-N-E-J-O. Awesome. No, and are there, like, kind of set times where you're on Hot 103 right Yeah. Now? I mean, I'll be on there in the week, Monday through Friday, usually 7 to 10, and then on the weekends, about 12 to 5. Awesome. Uh, yeah, and people can follow at ShellcockMag on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can visit ShellcockMusic.com for all the articles and everything. Uh, there's ShellcockMag.BigCartel.com for the merch we have photozines t-shirts and buttons you can order and be on the lookout for a bunch of shows we're presenting uh this spring there's like four of them in march at least one in april and one in may so uh, i think on the facebook events tab uh, of our page you can find those shows and i think that's all i have for you i appreciate you being on the show today joe hey that's dope thank you for having me i hope hope you got what you wanted oh of course yeah awesome thank you